Good morning, Friendship Church. It is good to be back with you and uh, for a few more weeks and to get to be part of this family. I can't believe I get to talk about John 3.16 this morning. Uh, I can't imagine what it's going to be like uh, when someone can come on the TV and yell out, there's a vaccine! Uh, I can't, for COVID, I can't imagine what it would be like to be on a desert island stranded and wondering if the ship was ever going to pull up and then to see the ship on the horizon as it pulls up and to be the person and running up the beach yelling, there's a rescue ship coming. I can't imagine what it would be like uh, to be the person bearing that good news, but I can't imagine what it would be like to be the person bearing the best good news in all of the world, in all of eternity, to be able to say to helpless and hopeless people, For God loves you so much that he gave his only son that if you will believe, surrender, repent, if you'll believe in him, you will not perish but have everlasting life. What what, what an exciting message is exciting to me this morning as real and genuine as that first night when a guy named John knocked on my dorm room and uh, he was carrying a Bible. I wasn't interested. And he said, can I come in? And I said, absolutely not. And as he backed away, he quoted John 10.10. Mark, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly that every day would be full and meaningful. And I slammed the door on him and I could kick out John, but I could not kick out the Holy Spirit. Amen. And several hours later, I said, I'm a fool. If the eternal God could offer me abundant life and eternal life, I'd be a fool to not pursue that. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. You know this story in John chapter 3. A well-educated Jewish leader. And he says, teacher, we know that you come from God. Otherwise, you couldn't work these miracles. He said, but tell me. And Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus, first time those words have ever been spoken on earth. And so Nicodemus asked uh, the same question we would ask if we heard those words for the first time. He said, gross. He said, I have to enter this. And my mother's womb and be born a second time. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Nicodemus, you have to have two birthdays. You have to be born by the water. You have to have a physical birthday. You have to be born by the spirit. You have to have a spiritual birthday. Don't marvel, Nicodemus, that I say to you, you religious good man, you must be born again. So we have the privilege to spend the next three weeks on John 3.16. Jesus continues the conversation with Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, for God so loves the world that he gave his only son that if anyone would believe in him, he wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Why are we spending three weeks on this? Because it's the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Hey, neighbor, hey, cousin, hey, son, hey, co-worker, I've got good news. God loves you, has a 
forgiveness and eternal life as a gift he wants to give you. And we want to be sure that we can communicate and we can package that all together. Now, um, let me say, and you'll never hear this taught at Friendship again. You'll never hear it on a, on a broadcast or a podcast. Uh, I don't think ever again. So listen closely. You might want to take notes uh, to the next couple of minutes. Uh, some of you will say, oh, so Mark, you're talking about evangelism. You're talking about sharing our faith. Uh, Mark, I don't have to do that. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I took the spiritual gifts test, and that's not my gift. And uh, Mark, you can go share Christ, because obviously you got the spiritual gift of evangelism. And I just want to say, having taken most of the spiritual gifts test online, there's only one of them that agrees with me. And uh, most of them uh, will not agree with me, and the gift of evangelism comes right up on the list. So uh, this will be the only time you'll ever hear this. This Sunday, I'm not going to teach it every Sunday, but I just want to share with you, I don't believe evangelism is a spiritual gift. I believe evangelism is the longing and command of Christ for every believer to share with his friend. Well, wait a minute, Mark. what about Ephesians 11, where it talks about the gift of evangelism? It doesn't. It talks about the office of evangelist. And it says that there are people who are pastors, teachers, apostles, uh, and, and prophets, and evangelists. Oh, okay. Well, they're the ones, Mark, you're the one that's supposed to go around the world, and you're supposed to tell people about Jesus. I accept. I would love to go around the world telling people about Jesus. Oh, you're one of the 10% that, uh, that naturally are gregarious and can talk to anybody. And so I don't have to do that because it's not my spiritual gift. No, the Bible says that we're all invited, commanded to be fishers of men. Well, what about Ephesians 2.11 where it talks about the office of evangelist? You can go look it up. It says that my office is to equip the saints, for the work of the ministry. That my job is to teach you, share with you, encourage you to go share Jesus with your friends and, uh, and to go. This good news is spreading right now like wildfire around the world and you and I get invited to be fire starters. You and I get, are invited to be fire setters. Uh, right now, there's a, a fun website called One for Israel that's just about Jewish people that are coming to Christ. And you can hear them in their excitement. I just prayed to receive Christ. I prayed to receive Christ a year ago. I'm a follower of. And, and it's just wonderful testimony after testimony after testimony of people who are coming to Christ. Have you ever been around somebody recently coming to Christ and the joy that they have? One of the things you can do, go to your small group and just say tonight, uh, we're going to go around the circle, and I want everybody to talk about when you came to Christ. And the joy that will begin to pop in the room. Someone threw me a line. Somebody threw me a life buoy. Somebody gave me the pill, and I found Christ. Somebody loved me enough to come next door. You see, folks, I'm not going to make it. There's not enough people with the office of evangelist to come to every house. There's not enough of us to go to every co-worker. There's not enough of us to go to every person that you will go to school with next month. 
There's not enough of us to go to every cousin or every son or every grandparent. And so God tells me to equip you for the work of the ministry. And that's a thing we get to celebrate for the next three weeks. Now, as we look at John 3.16, today we have to talk about the harshest message in all of history. The hard truth of what it means for people who deny the love, the cross, who walk by the cross and say, no, thank you, I don't want the gift. The Bible says that if we don't know God, we're perishing. And today we're going to talk about that. Now, some of you are already saying, wait a second, Mark, you always start every message with, you're crazy about your wife. Well, I still am. I didn't give that up. And that you're trying to live your life by this book. Whew, God taught me some stuff this week. Uh, not good, that, that, whoo, wish he hadn't. Whoo, glad he did. And, uh, but uh, today's first point is, I am a rescued follower of Jesus Christ. I'm rescued. God rescued me from the direction I was headed and from where I was going. And today, we want to talk about perishing, even though it's hard. And I want to give you three pictures of perishing that you can fit your life into and I can fit my life into. Jesus said to the people, "Uh, you're sheep. Now, that wouldn't have been a compliment. We always see the picture of Jesus holding little lambs and and we go, oh, look, I'd be a cuddly little lamb in Jesus' arms. That's not what Jesus meant. If you had lived in a society where there were sheep, you would have understood. Uh, Several years ago, I was asked to do five nights uh, for young people on sheep. And I don't know anything about sheep. I raise a couple pigs every year. I raise a couple cows every year. I raise a dozen rabbits every year. I raise some chickens every year in a pretty good garden. But I don't know anything about sheep. So when I found out I was going to have to do this, I called up the two students in our youth ministry here that understood sheep. I called up the Kachira kids. And Jennifer and Nathan and I went to Taco Bell in Prior Lake. And I said, you have to teach me about sheep. And, uh, and I learned that Jesus is not talking about cuddly little cute things when he says to the people, I am the good shepherd. And that's good news. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I will lay down my life for the sheep. See, when Jesus is alluding to the people, you are sheep, he would have been saying, you're the dumbest animal that we know around here. Wait a minute, Jesus, are you calling me a dub animal? And Jesus would be saying in matters of, in eternal matters, you may not understand what's going on. No, you, you know, you've, you, you've told your students perhaps, or maybe your mom and dad have told you, if somebody jumped off a bridge, would you follow them? You, you would jump right off a sheep will. Sheep are flock animals, and if the first sheep jumps, falls off the cliff, And even if he yells back behind me, don't follow me off the cliff. I'm going to die and you're going to die. The next sheep will go right off the cliff, right off the cliff, right off the cliff. And they'll follow each other. Jesus said, you're sheep. Now, so I asked Nathan and and Jennifer, teach me about sheep. And, uh, and, And sheep will eat the food that's put in front of them. They'll eat the food that's around them. But then they, that's all they've got. Then they die. Sheep don't know how to fend for themselves and feed themselves. Sheep don't know how to go looking for pasture. They have, sheep, are you listening? Have to have a shepherd 
to provide food for them. Sheep can't drink moving water. They have to be provided with still water on a regular basis or they will die of thirst. They can't find water on their own because of their eyesight. They can't find it. Uh, Sheep cannot take care or will not take care of their young. When a ewe has a baby lamb, she walks away from it. And if the shepherd isn't paying attention, and if you have, uh, if you're keeping sheep, you stay up all night when you know a ewe is going to have her babies. You stay up all night, because when that lamb is born, it, you only have about an hour to clean it up and get it to its mother to feed it, or the lamb will die. The baby lamb will perish because the mother lamb or the mother sheep won't take care of it. Now, this is Western sheep. I don't know if this is true in the Mideast, uh, but Western sheep have been raised to have so much wool that in the summer, they, they'll overheat and die. They have to be sheared and sheep cannot shear themselves. They have to have a shepherd. And uh, now I don't know if that's true. And, but the, the, the funnest thing to me, sheep have no defense mechanism. So if, if, if there's a flock of sheep and a wolf jumps into the pasture, all the sheep will run 50 feet and stop and be killed. They, they don't have any defense. So Jesus says, you're sheep. You can't feed yourself, you can't water yourself, you can't take care of yourself, you can't shear yourself, and you can't defend yourself. I am a sheep, I need a shepherd, I'm perishing. And Jesus said, I am that shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I haven't done anything. I have a shepherd, I have a good shepherd. He lays down his life for me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in a green pasture. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. The bad news, folks, is we're perishing. The bad news is that we're sheep. The good news is we have a shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus gives another picture in the same chapter with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, as a ruler of the Jews, as a teacher, would have known exactly what Jesus was talking about. Maybe you don't know this story. In John 3.15, right before John 3.16, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world. And Nicodemus would have known that Jesus was referring to a story out of the book of Numbers where the people have been led out of Egypt. 400 years of slavery. They make it across the Red Sea. The water comes back in and destroys Pharaoh's army. They get on the other side and they do what you and I would have done if we'd just been rescued. They do a happy dance and a song. Uh, I will triumph gloriously. Uh, I will sing to the Lord gloriously. The horse and rider have been thrown into the sea. They get on the other side and they're, whoo, God, whoo, whoo, God. They are so excited because God has rescued them. And you know the story. They've got a 14-day walk to get to Israel that takes them how long? 40 years. They didn't have a good GPS. Anyway, they've got, they got this 
14-day walk, they get two days into it, and somebody says, all we got to drink is this old, hot, dirty water. All we got to drink, God has abandoned us in the wilderness. God, they've just done a happy dance. And, 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 and they get here two days later. Now, in my mind, have you ever been riding in the car and somebody started to gripe? Have, have you ever been there? And when one person starts to do that, what are, what is, what are the, what's the rest of the car pick up? And pretty soon the whole car is, you know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine being with over a million people and one of them starts, all we have is this all hot, God's abandoning us. And, and the next person, the next person, the next person. And Moses goes and says, oh God, these people. Well, they said, we want to go back to Egypt. God's brought us here to the wilderness to perish. And Moses goes and says, oh God, what are you going to do? And God says, I'll take care of this. And God gives them incredibly wonderful, ice cold, delicious, bubbly, clear water. And the people do a happy dance. God is so good. And they go a couple more days and somebody starts griping about, we don't have anything to eat except, it was better to go back to Egypt and eat the onions and the leeks and the garlics than to die here. In the, and somebody starts griping and everybody starts griping. And so what does God do? God sends Krispy Kreme donuts all over the ground. Amen. And just like people are going out eating Krispy Kreme donuts, dozens of them, amen, we know. And they're just having this great time. God has rescued us. And they go a while farther and they start griping. Oh, we have these Krispy Kreme donuts. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. And, uh, and, and God sends them Kentucky Fried Chicken. What a wonderful God. And, uh, and this is just one. And they go a little farther and they start griping about why. They go a little farther and start griping. They go a little farther and start griping. And God finally says, that's it. That's enough. And you know the story. God creates a plague of snakes, horrible poisonous snakes that come into the camp and begin biting all the people. If you're bit by the snake, you die. There's no cure. There's no vaccine. They don't have eight months to find one. There's no cure. If you're bit by the snake, you die. If you're in the camp, you're a target. It's coming. And the people turn to Moses and say, Moses, you have brought us here to the wilderness to die. And Moses goes and gets on his knees and says, oh God, these are your people. Will you, look at me, will you save them? Your people are dying Will you save them? And God says, yes. Moses says, okay, what do we have to do? And God says, take a bunch of brass, melt it down and make a snake. That doesn't make any sense to me, God. What am I going to do? Hit people with brass snakes? What what am I going to do? This doesn't make any sense. Feel free when people say to you about the gospel, this doesn't make any sense to go, God so loves the world. Doesn't make any sense. Make a brass snake. Put it on a pole. Put the pole up on a hill and tell everyone there's a cure. There's a cure. There's a cure. All you have to do is look at the brass snake and you won't die of snake bite. I promise you. There were people who argued and said that's foolish. I promise you there were people who said not me. I promise you there were people who said it doesn't make sense. And I promise you there were people who said I got nothing else. I've been bit by a snake and I'm going to die. I'm hopeless. And they looked 
and the red blood warmed up as it coursed back through them and their eyes cleared and the aches went away. And God had saved his people. Now look up here. Same conversation. This is so good. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes on him, look on the cross. Look on the cross. I've been bit. Look on the cross and you won't perish but have everlasting life. There's a third picture. I don't have as much time to develop it, but quickly, I need a life giver. In Ephesians 2, 1, it says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Third picture. First picture, I'm a sheep. I need a shepherd. I'm perishing. Second picture. I've been bit by the snake of sin. I'm perishing. I need a savior. Third picture, I'm dead. The Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. As a youth pastor, I haven't done a lot of funerals. It's one of the great things about being a youth pastor. When you do have to do a funeral, it's for a teenager and it's double tragic. But occasionally, the other pastors wouldn't be around and the janitors would be busy, so they'd ask me to go do a funeral. And uh, I would go do a funeral and I would always look at the, at the, at the, at the body laying there the corpse. And I would always say, God, if you would raise him, do you know what would happen in this town? Do you know the noise that would explode all over this town if you would raise him? And often, I'd ask God to do that. Didn't see it happen. But the Bible says, as hopeless as that corpse is, this is bad news. You and I are corpses. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. And I need someone to come and like Jesus laid his hands on that young boy, that that, that young man, and his mother said, what are you doing? And Jesus raised that young man and he laid hands on that little girl and everybody said, what are you doing? And Jesus said, she's just asleep. And they laughed at him. They mocked him. And they raised him, and then he spoke to Lazarus that had been dead for three days. And Jesus raised him from the dead, and then Jesus from the grave, the Holy Spirit, raised him from the dead. Now those were all physical. But I need to have a spiritual resurrection. The Bible says I'm dead, and I'm perishing, folks. I'm hopeless. This is bad news. I'm perishing. Now, Truth, I am a sinner. That's the truth. It's not, uh, we don't have a lot of trouble admitting that, do we? I haven't run into a lot of people that I said, are you a sinner? I'm a sinner. Okay? I, I, one, a friend of mine uh, was uh, walking across a parking lot. You've heard this story. And he's carrying a Bible. And so somebody walked up to him on the parking lot and said, hey, are you a Christian? And uh, my friend said, well, yeah. He says, well, I'm not. I'm going to hell. I want to go to hell. I, won't ha- I wouldn't know anybody in heaven anyway. I'm going to go to hell because it's going to be a party. We're going to party for eternity. And my friend, don't do this. Don't do this. My friend, and know anybody by the Holy Spirit. Don't take notes now, okay? My friend 
friend, this one time, anointed by the Holy Spirit, said, you want to go to hell? Yeah, I want to go to hell. I wouldn't. It's going to be fun. My friend put his hand on him and he said, well, let's just pray that God will kill you right now. God, I pray you'll kill this guy so he can go to hell. And the guy said, shut up. He said, no, hell's going to be great. So I just want to pray to get, Lord, would you just take this guy? Would you kill him right now and let him go to hell? The guy said, shut up. I don't really want to go there. And they had a wonderful conversation. The guy was honest. He said, I am a a sinner. Have you been honest? And said, I am a sinner. If I go to the scripture, sin comes into me. It enters from two places. One, the scripture says in uh, Psalms, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin, my mother conceived me. There's an original sin passed on to you and I genetically from Adam and Eve. God and Adam walked together every day. That must have been wonderful. God and Adam and Eve walked together every day. That must have been wonderful. I would have loved to experience the Garden of Eden. I'm a little ticked at Adam and Eve for losing that for us. Anyway, one day Eve said, God, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care. I don't care what the will of God, I'm going to do what I want to do. And immediately, that's called sin, immediately fellowship with God was broken. And Eve is separated from God by a thing called sin. Adam makes the same choice. God, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want to do. And immediately fellowship with God was broken. And Adam and Eve are separated from God by sin. And all of their descendants inherited that. And we're born in sin and iniquity. You and I were born with a nature of sin. That's part of who we are. We're born in sin. Now, if that's not bad enough, (laughs) I'm also, that's bad enough. That's bad enough. But I'm a sinner by choice. Early, early on. I chose to sin. Now, if we'd had more time, I was going to give you an opportunity to review the Ten Commandments. I was going to ask you to get together and and see how many of the Ten Commandments you can remember. The Ten Commandments is kind of a standard that we've always used to show to each other that we're not, that we are sinners. Remember the young ruler came to Jesus, the lawyer, and he said, what do I have to do to have eternal? Good teacher. And Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's only one good, and that's God. And he goes on and has the conversation. And and the young man says, I've kept all the laws. I've been good. Now, isn't this interesting? Jesus has just told him there's only one good, and that's God. And the young man looks at Jesus and said, "Uh, I'm good too. You want to sit in that chair? There's two good in the universe, me and God. I don't want to sit in that chair. By choice, folks, though, I don't mind admitting I'm a sinner. By choice. Early, early on in my life, I knew that I shouldn't have other gods. I did do. Things that I worship and love and hold on to tighter and more. I broke that one. I, I, I broke taking the name of God in vain. I, I broke honoring your father and your mother. I broke, don't hate, kill. I broke, don't lust, adultery. I broke, don't steal. I broke, don't lie. I broke, don't covet. 
I am a sinner. And the wages, I'm a sinner separated from God. Now here's the darkest verse in the Bible. Well, I'm a sinner by choice. Yeah. Here's the darkest verse in the Bible. And the price that I will pay for being a sinner is death. The word death there carries two meanings of physical death. Remember, God told Adam, the day you eat it, you'll surely die. They began their physical end. Up to that point, maybe Adam and Eve would have lived forever. But at that point, they began their physical death. My physical body is going to end, but that's not the worst news. If I die separated from God... And that never changes. The wages of my choice is eternal separation from God in a horrible place called hell. Now that's the worst news. And I am a sinner. Destination. Now, the greatest, the brightest verse maybe in the Bible The wages of sin is death, but the undeserved gift of God to you and I is eternal life. This is good news. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For God loves you and I so much that he gave his only son, that Jesus perished so that I didn't have to. Jesus died so that I didn't have to. Jesus suffered so that I didn't have to. Perish. But they could have eternal life. Whoever believes. Have you ever done that? Has there ever been a time in your life where you said, I'm, I'm done. I'm perishing. I'm lost, I'm dead. I've been bit by a snake called sin and I'm a sheep. And without a savior, without a shepherd, I'm hopeless. And the good news is, for God so loves you that he gave his only son that if you would believe, repent, turn to him, you wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? I just believe someone's here saying, that's me. You mean God would give me a gift? He already promised that, and God's not a liar. God, I believe today. God, I believe. I turn to you. I say, shepherd, come into my life. Forgive my sins. Take over. I believe that the cross was all I needed. The resurrection was all. All I needed. The gift is completely purchased. I don't, I don't have to do anything else except turn to you and say, I need a shepherd. I'm perishing. I need life. I'm dead. God, I do that today. I come to the cross and say, the cross, your death, your resurrection, purchase this gift for me and I receive that today. Pray any word you want around that. Jesus, I need you. 
come in my life and take over. Forgive me. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed. I would love to stay around and talk with you. If you'd say, Mark, I don't understand, or Mark, how? We have some prayer people who, who will meet you out in the foyer, out by the glass windows, and you could say to them, I almost understand. Help me understand. I'm almost there. Help me get there. And they would love to pray with you about this. Heavenly Father, burden our hearts with this good news to tell our next-door neighbor and, and, and that they, ha- they have to hear this or they perish. To tell our cousin, our child, our dad, our co-worker, this great news, there is a cure for those who are perishing. Thank you, God, for the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.